Jason Waller here, True Underdog Podcast and YouTube channel. Listen, make sure you subscribe today. You can go to iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You can go to our YouTube channel, True Underdog, or you can visit trueunderdog.com and subscribe to all of it. Damn, damn, damn. True Underdog. Damn, damn, Unleash damn. the power Jason Waller, True Underdog Podcast, and I have got an Underdog Bites for you today. Today is going to be called Saturday Substance, and I got one of my dudes, one of my fellas. This guy's hilarious. He's got great content. He works for Power Home. He has grinded his ass all the way up to a new position I can't announce yet, but uh, he's high level. And uh, he is here to have some fun, fire off some questions, and cut up on this Saturday substance. Mr. Elmondo King, how you doing, baby? What's up, baby boy? I'm good, man. Baby boy, I got that thing patent, man. So what's up, Jay Walls? You know, I appreciate everybody you. Call, you call everybody baby boy. I get a little jealous. You're telling me I'm your baby boy, and then you're telling somebody else you're your baby boy. Like, what's the deal with that? I don't know, man. I, I just started saying baby boy probably two years ago. I think one of the reps said it to me one time. I was like, man, you know who you, who you talking to? I'm your manager, man. What are you talking about? Then it just stuck, man. Baby boy, baby boo, all that good stuff like that. It's just something I like to say. It's fun. I heard my grandmother from, she was from North Carolina and she was a little hillbilly, love her to death. And she used to say britches. So I would make fun of people saying, Hey, you got to fix those britches. And now I'm always saying britches. I'm like, shit, I gotta, I gotta quit saying that stuff. It's not good. But we from the country, man. My mama used to always say outdoors, outdoors, going down yonder and all that good stuff like that, man. So it just fits into that whole little grouping right there. Man. Yonder britches, outdoors. Yonder I like and it. britches. All right. So what do you got for me? Today's Saturday. Right, and I listen, I just got back. I went to the Lions training camp with Mr. Yep. White Boy Rick Worshey Jr. And nice. I don't consider myself a celebrity at all, but I'm on TV a lot. And here I am in a local market at the Detroit Lions saying they see me everywhere. And I'm walking with white boy Rick, and not one person says, oh, hey, Jason. Well, one person did. It was the president of the Lions who knew me because we write a check in a partnership. But other than That's that, it. everybody's like, Rick, can I get a picture Rick? In fact, people like, here, can you hold, can I get a picture with him? Like, I'm a, I was his manager. I was like, this is crazy. This is crazy. So Rick, I love Rick. He's got a huge celebrity following. You have to make a movie first, bro. You cannot be on and popping until you make a movie. Commercials are cool and whatnot, but you got to make yourself a movie. But I got some fun stuff going on here today, man. Uh, so I appreciate you for inviting me here, man. It's the first time I've ever been on a podcast, but I'm going to throw you, I'm going to put your feet to the well, fire. Well, it's a top three say. podcast, Elmondo. Top so three, baby. And we're on YouTube Live, which I've never done before. So, and this stuff will be streamed everywhere. Instagram, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, you name it everywhere. We're good. Go ahead. What do you got? Let's do it, baby. So rapid fire questions. This is how this works. You got to answer these quick, man. You can't wait on them. You can't ponder. You got to answer them quick. Okay. These are going to be general questions. I'm not going to set you up. I got you, bro. I got you, man. So people are going to get to know Jason Waller as a human being, baby. So you ready for this? I'm ready. First question. Favorite movie of all time. Mm, Young Guns. Young Guns. Okay. Have you seen that. that movie? I've not seen that movie. I've heard it's about, about Billy it. This the is the kid. second time I yeah. heard of it. It's Young Guns or Rocky Four. It's a toss-up. Flip a coin. Rocky, bro. You got to go with Rocky. Rocky Four. Young Guns Italian is great, to too, though, dude. You know? I'll check Regulators. that out. Check it's that a great out. movie. It's a cowboy movie. I'll check that out, man. Next question. You ready? Yeah. If you had to plan a date night, what would that look like? Car comes and picks us up. We go mm-hmm. to a nice dinner. I don't drink mm-hmm. wine, so I get like a margarita. My wife is going <laughs> to drink like water or unsweetened iced tea. 
Uh, nice dessert. She's got to have a gluten-free dessert. I'll eat. I'll take her gluten, so I'll take extra gluten on my dessert. <laughs> um, she's also dairy-free. I'll take extra dairy on mine. And then uh, I'd like to go to the movies. I'm old school. I like to go to the movies, get popcorn, movies. eat licorice, love movies, and then maybe stay at a hotel, you know, just a little music playing, a little jazz, you know what I'm saying? A little bit of jazz, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Knowing you, man, you might have somebody there playing on a saxophone, but it's but all by good. By the way, I Let's love go to the saxophone next music. That's like my favorite. <laughs> it's true. I have a bath and- playlist. I don't take baths often. I do shower, but I don't bathe often. But when I do, Kenny G, yeah. George Michael, like I... You know, I have a lot of music in there that I like to relax to in the bath. Don't judge. It's just, it's just who I am. Bro, you a hip-hop fan. I didn't know you had anything deeper than that, You have to have like good music like that to, to rest in the bathtub. You can't have Tupac yelling, man, like, Doug Life, let's go when you're in the bathtub. <laughs> you, can't re- you can't relax. That's the shit to listen to that. when you're driving or working out. But when you're in the bathtub, to hear that saxophone <laughs> on some of those George Michael songs or Kenny G <laughs> is like, <laughs> yeah, you're just like, this is good. You light some candles around there, turn off all the lights don't and whatnot. Judge, but yes, I do. <laughs> yes, I do. I get, bro, you don't. You shouldn't have said that on okay. here. Man. You I got no shame. Don't tell they, me. They, I make it cool, baby. I feel that. I feel baby that. Boy. You just told me I something. I make it cool, baby, baby boy. boy. Yeah. You just told me something that's crazy. You do not drink wine. So, what is your go-to alcoholic beverage? Uh, I love tequila. Okay. And I love tequila. and I like vodka. So I'll usually do um, like vodka and grapefruit juice. You know, preferred you pink grapefruit juice, or I'll do like margaritas or stuff with tequila. I just, you know, I can't do brown whiskey. It just, ugh. and I try yeah. to like wine. I can sip on a little bit. I try so hard to like it. I think it's cool. <laughs> I think it's classy. It's just got a sour taste after I'm like, it tastes like ass. I just don't like it. You grow into it, man. I didn't like sweet tea at first. And then I grew into I it. You will tea. eventually grow into it. Man. I need You're to. I really out. want to, because there's so many good wines and people I get like, oh man, I wish I could eat that with drink the wine after the way they do it. They make it look so great. Then I taste it and I go, it's not that good. <laughs> you got to so, eat it with cheese. Yeah. Something. Something. <laughs> all right, if I get a few drinks in me, the wine tastes better. It does taste better. Camus, all that good stuff. Silver Oak. I got the next question for you. You ready for this one? Yeah. Now, you've had a lot of celebrities around you. If not, you've seen them. You, you've had them on Zoom calls, True Underdog Podcasts, all that stuff. Have you ever, ever been starstruck? Twice. Twice. All right. I want to hear about it. What Barry is it? Barry Sanders, because he's the my favorite player of all time. So the first time I got to meet and hang out with him at Rod Wood's house, he's the president of the Lions. Before we did a deal with Barry... And then when I went to do the commercial with Barry, I was pinching myself like, I can't believe I'm doing a commercial with my favorite player of all time. Oh my gosh, this is great. So that was one. And then two was Donald Trump. And not that I think he's this great human being. I mean, I, I, you know, I, don't, I didn't mind him that much. But my point is, as he was the president of the United States at the time and I got to do a roundtable, so that was pretty powerful. That was pretty like, whoa, next level. And I've met a lot of people, a lot of great people out there, but I don't get starstruck. You know, I have this mentality of I need to be the most confident person in the room and I don't want to be arrogant and I don't want to be a prick and I don't want to be too good. That's never my goal because there is a, you can cross that line, but I want to make it to these celebrities or these football players where everybody's a fanboy. I'm not that. I want to act like they need to be happy to meet me. Absolutely. And so when I carry that attitude, it really comes to fruition because then the players are like, who the hell is that guy? You know, cause I'm not like, Oh my God, I'm a fan. How are you? I'm like, what up, dude? Like I walk away. Like I don't give a shit. 
Yeah. Even and, though I do. Even though I, I know do. you do deep down I, inside. Yeah. yeah but Dude, I'm like, no. Check this out. Jason's a great guy. He actually introduced us at the entire company to Barry Sanders. He brought him to our Christmas party. And when I met him, he was just like a regular guy. He shook everybody's hand. He's like, how you doing, man? Welcome to the welcome to the Christmas party. I'm like, what the heck this is Barry Sanders, man? So oh, I man. appreciate you for that type of stuff, man, for putting us around and those he, type of he people. He came to my son's birthday party. It was like crazy and you know that's where you get get surreal it, it, it's, it's never about the money it's never it's about the experiences and memories yeah. and it's about the life that you impact you that's know like it. you you're getting ready to get married you just bought a house right yeah. i get excited to hear that you're getting you, you're building success and yes. and doing things and that's the kind of stuff that feels good not just meeting people or uh, making money but when you meet people that are genuine and there are some celebrities that are not genuine there, those those folks are tough to deal with, and I don't want to hang out with them. I don't care how cool they think they are. If they can't be real, I like yeah. real. There's no reason 100%. to hang out with them. Hundred percent. Well, walk the people through this rapid fire. Still, what is your morning routine? Dude, that's always asked, and it seems like it changes. And I don't want to be judged because you kind of got an insight. No, my ass doesn't show up to work out much, but <laughs> I get up every every morning at like six. It never ends. Six a.m. No I alarm clock. No right? alarm. Six. Okay. The sun comes out. I'm like, I'm up. And I usually, if it's if it's school year, I get tell the kids get up, get ready, and I'm going to take my son and my youngest daughter to school. But then I'll I'll go get a coffee or a, a workout drink and I'll get dressed and brush my teeth and I'll be ready to go because I'm going to the gym. And if I have them, I drop them off and go to the gym. If I don't have them, I go to the gym and or cryo after. And then I really start my work day around nine or nine thirty because I'm taking them around seven, seven thirty. But then once my day starts and like, like today I didn't work out and yesterday to get to work out, I'm very irritable and I don't go in and crush it. Like some people do and work out all the time. I like to blend. I like, like I did F45 recently. I love doing that once or twice a week. I used to love doing Pilates, but I like to have a trainer kick my ass sometimes. And then I like to just work out on my own. And sometimes I'm known to pull up to a, a gym and just sit on the phone because calls, I mean, you know our business, <laughs> Kevin's calling, Ben's calling, Steve's it's calling, Ron's calling. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't even get out of the damn car. I'm like, shit, I just wasted yeah. an hour and a half talking to these fools and I didn't work out. So then I know I'm irritated and I work out for my mental stability. Now I want to, I want to maintain my shape, which is semi round, right? There you go. Semi, <laughs> so, just so like semi, a half, half circle. <laughs> Uh, it's the I'd dead like, bot. Yeah, I'd like to get rid of it, but you know, I'm guilty. I just had some chocolate donuts before we got on this. I'm Bro. like, shit, I'm stuffing my face, but that's why I work out so I can eat what I want. Eventually, I'll quit that shit. Not yet. Yeah, you just said something, right? You said cryo. Explain to the people what is cryo. You introduced me to this. I had no idea what it was. So explain to the people what cryo so is. So cryotherapy is some. you go into a chamber that's minus 220 degrees for three minutes. So think of an oh ice God. bath that athletes do times Jesus. like five, right? It's a little bit more intense. And you get in there and it, it's a whole body. And you have to keep your head up because they, they've got some gases in there that are freezing you. But, you know, some people go a minute, minute and a half, two minutes. The motion goes three minutes. I do three minutes, 99% of the time. And I feel great. So I'm not a runner, right? I don't run. If I run, there's a problem. You better run too. That <laughs> Somebody's some chasing shit. you. Some shit is going down. Turn around and go. You're like, see Jason, right? Like, shit, I got to go. Where are we going? I'm out. <laughs> freak, freak out because I'm not a runner. But that's, I got you. you saw we played football. I sit and play quarterback. I ain't running. You ain't but got time for that. I got time. I got, my knees don't want to run. But 
I feel like a runner does. Like I ran five miles because the endorphins that you get from that and you burn yes. like 500 calories, but the endorphins you get, you're like, that is crazy. holy shit. I feel, I feel amazing. <laughs> that is the high that I like. I like to do that and then get that. Oh my gosh. I feel great feeling to start my day or, or wrap up my day. There you go. Look, I got a question that nobody has ever asked you, right? Yeah. If you were to die today, right? And you were to be reincarnated, what would you want to be reincarnated and come back as? What animal? What Not would a it person. Be? A, a person Not a, or an animal. You can't come back as a person. You got to come back as an animal. What animal would it be? I'd want to be a fucking lion. You want to be a lion. I, I, I knew hunt. you were going to say that, I man. I want to hunt. <laughs> I want to chase. I want to be the king of the jungle, right? I, I, I would. Yeah. I'd want to be a lion. And if they were like, you can't be a lion, I'd want to be a bald eagle. A bald eagle. Yeah, just how, well, how long do bald eagles live for? Is I don't it know. owls or bald eagles that live for like 50 years? Probably owls. Probably owls. But a bald eagle would be cool you. just soaring through and hunting prayer and or pray and going like that. That's what I want. <laughs> I, got you. I got you. All right, check this one out. If you had a superpower, what would it be? Now you can fly, you can see, you got x ray vision, all that stuff out there that's dope, man. You can read people's minds. What do you want? I'd want to be invisible. You want to be invisible? Why would you want to be invisible? So man? I can see what's going on. I can be a fly in a room of stuff. I want to be invisible. See my kids at school. I want to be invisible yeah. when people are doing their job and see what's going on. I, I think I think the curiosity in life and not knowing things is important, right? Like yeah. I don't want to like be able to read minds. Flying would be pretty cool, but like, that would yeah, be dope. Know. But then after you do it, you're like, okay, I flew, right? So. <laughs> That's just, you know, being super strong. What am I going to do if I'm the only superhero out there? We're going to fight, right? <laughs> Aliens haven't come up completely yet. They're still hiding. So still, hiding. yeah, they're so, but I, I think if I was invisible, then I can inquire certain things and hear certain things that I'm curious about of what things are like when I'm not around. And, <laughs> and think about this, just going into some of those meetings when, in the chambers where the president and them are talking about, are they going to go to war? Are they not going to go to war? Going to some of the, like just walking into certain things and seeing how things are going, <laughs> being a fly on the wall would be cool. Forget listening to your wife's conversation. You're going straight to the white house. I got you, man. Well, I understand yeah, that. I trust my wife. If she's going to say anything <laughs> or leave me, that's on her. I always tell her like, look, if you leave me and I love you, that means I get half my shit back. <laughs> At I'm least not losing. I'm winning. Back. I'm like, oh, you're giving me half my shit back. Thanks. I'm, I'm excited. Thank oh, you. Oh, man. Listen, for you guys that don't know Jason Waller, this guy is, dude, he smells good, man. And this is not me just trying to put it on or whatever the case may be, right? So true story. We went to South Carolina with the rest of the district managers. I don't know if everybody knows about this, but Jason was going to bed early every single night. He probably went to bed at 10 o'clock. But his cologne stayed there till 1230. So he would get up, he'll leave, but the cologne's still there. It smelled good. Don't get me wrong. But what uh, is your go-to cologne, man? I what are you what one. are you spraying on? Aventus Creed. Aventus Creed. Or Creed Aventus. It's the only Creed. thing I wear. Yeah. There you go. All right. I like the confidence, man. Now, How many sprays? Know. Oh, so that now now it comes out. <laughs> so it's one, two, three, four, five. <laughs> I'm back you gotta on. hit the back of the neck yeah, just in case somebody's behind it's you. Like, it's like I'm doing a prayer, right? One, two, three, <laughs> four, five. And then five on the back of the neck. Yeah. I got you, man. So listen, a lot of people join this call for some substance. Like you said, the name of this is Saturday Substance. So I do have some great questions for you here. We you passed the rapid fire testing. Now what, what was the greatest I got? I'll give you probably like a 
I'll give you an A on it. You were able to answer all the questions and you went into deep detail about it. So I love it, yeah. man. You can yeah. answer questions great. So you ready for the substance questions? You ready for these? Yeah. All right. What was your perspective, man, uh, when you didn't have money? You were you were in the in the trailer park. You were broke. We could just put it out there. Right. What was your perspective on life? What do you feel like? What are you thinking about? I felt like I was judged and something I couldn't control. Right. I would go to school and people would make fun of me or judge me, not want to hang out with me, tell me and my friends who, you know, I had friends that were Hispanic Uh, that were Asian, that were black. And we lived in the trailer park. We were all boys and we would go to parties and we would be ran out of there because of where we lived. Not necessarily who we are or our race, but where we lived and, and how much money we had and what we wore. And it was disturbing. I didn't like the feeling and it was like, I can't control that. Right. And I, I would relate that to like, look, I'm, I'm not a minority, but I would relate to that's how some minorities you're, you're African-American. You probably dealt with racism in your life where you feel like, oh, well, it's not my fault. I'm black. And you feel that way about me. Right. I didn't have it on that level at all. So let me first say that. But I had a a partial of that, of something people were judging me and feeling about me that I couldn't control. And that bothered me. Well, I could control what my future looked like and I could control who I surround myself with. And so I just was on a mission to do that. I mean, even my in-laws at the time, they're my in-laws now, but they judged me, Elmondo. They didn't want to be around me. They were like, you have no money. Like he lives in a trailer. It was hard. There was like a battle between my family and, and Liz's family. It was rough. And I got, I went, people don't know this, but I went to five high schools. I got kicked out of four high schools. I got in a lot of fights. One was with Kevin Klink. <laughs> Kevin Klink's never been in a fight in his life, by the way. Not once in his life has he ever been in a fight. He's never hit anybody. He's never been hit. Okay, let's let the facts be stated. There All right, that, I got you. I got you. Uh, but I, you know, I, and he's never got me in a fight either because we didn't go to high school together. You know, we went to elementary and middle school together, but I bounced around in high schools because I didn't yeah. get along with people and I didn't fit in. I just, wow, I didn't wow. fit in. Remember, I grew up with more of my friends were Hispanic than white and more were African-American than white where I grew up in Phoenix. Like I grew up in the hood in Phoenix. Kevin grew up near me too. Like we were friends in elementary. We were friends in middle school. All my friends were want to be gangbangers. It was different, wow. right? So I grew up thinking I was West Side Vadio Hollywood. Like what, what? Crip, crip. Like that's what I thought I was. Like I was like, yeah, like what? Like I, I was throwing a blood sign. I was breaking it. I mean, I was 14 year old punk. Yeah. I go to North Carolina. It was different. It was Completely. like, oh, you had these country bumpkins with stuff in their mouth that didn't like <laughs> me because I had my hair slicked back wearing dickies. <laughs> And then, and, then yeah. you, and then you had these black guys that didn't like a lot of the country bumpkins and they, because I kind of maybe looked like them, they might not like me either. I didn't fit in. I'm like, yeah. who were my friends? My friends wow. were the people that lived on my street and lived in the trailer park. Those were my friends. And we didn't see race. We saw, oh, we're, we live in the same neighborhood. We're boys. Let's go. And that's kind of how we took things on. And so to roll that back, how I put perspective when whatever your issue is in life, right? Whether it's money, whether it's race, whether it's gender, whether it's where you grow up, whether it's the shit that you're being put through, you know, abuse, whatever, you know, you do get to create your own map. And if you find a way, my perspective was, how do I get to control my future and destiny? Well, I got to put it in my own hands and not hear that shit, not hear that noise and focus on one step at a time and work on things. And that's what I did. I was motivated. I took that hate. I took that 
you know, that insecurity, the hate that people had for me and the insecurity that I had. And I took all that and I just boiled it up and I just tried to find a way to do bigger and better things. And I didn't go back and talk shit to them and go, ha ha, look at me. My goal was to get them to go, Hey, can I do, you know, to, to get them to like me without me having to rub it in their face. That's fucking winning. Yeah. So I was like, that was my goal, right? Love you get it. Haters. Love your haters. You get it. Absolutely. So you said some motivation, right? Now people get motivated from different things. Like just, just for example, at the beginning of the year, everybody's in the gym, right? People are motivated. They want to lose weight. They want to do. And then soon as March rolls around, everybody's gone. It's a freaking desert in there. Right? So motivation happens for everybody, but how can you stay motivated? Because from the trailer park to where you are now is a lot of time, man. How do you stay motivated and stay on task, man. Well, a couple things. One, I would say motivation's temporary. Inspiration is forever. So I try to stay inspired, right? And I stay inspired because I'm not done. I'm still putting in work. I'm not done yet. I treat every day like a playoff game. I set realistic goals that are 30, 60, 90, and 120 days away from me. So whatever I'm in now, that means, oh, I've got a goal that's two or three months from now. I got to hit that goal. And I've had this sickness when you're working your ass off so hard and trying to get somewhere and you're discouraged and you're failing and you're failing and you're failing and you're, you're just like, oh my goodness. When you start getting wins, when success starts to happen, you get addicted to continue to win. Oh yeah. I'm addicted to winning. So it's like, well, how do we become the biggest one in North Carolina? Well, how do we become the biggest one in the South? Well, how do we become the biggest one in the Midwest? Well, how do we become the boat, the biggest American made install? Like, it, you know, how do we go public? How do we become the biggest in the planet? Like it, there's always something to win. And as long as there's something for me to win, I'm so competitive, then I'm going to stay hungry. And, I'm, and that drive is going to be there because how many times do you see people work their ass off? They get to the top and then they'd, Oh, and then they lose everything. Yes. You know, I don't want to yes. lose shit and I don't want the people around me to lose shit. I want all of us to be successful. And I look at it as like life. You have your moments, right? You have minutes and moments that matter. And I look at it as when you spend it with your family, you spend it with your loved ones, you spend it with your friends, you don't get ready to move from Michigan back to North Carolina. I've been a little sad, man. I've been yeah. hanging out with some friends. We've been a little <laughs> emotional. We're going to long lunches and Brett, like, I'm like, wife's like, you okay. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm sad. But, you know, it's another chapter I can still visit, but when things are going on and, and you can, you bring people around you and you want to see them be successful. I've seen people get to the top and fall down and I'm scared to fall down. I'm scared to let people down. And the bigger you get, the more responsibility you get, it's all relative. I don't want to let 2000 employees down. I don't want to let my family down. And, you know, you get one shot. So if some people are good with, hey, I climbed this mountaintop, I don't need to climb another mountain, I'm going to keep climbing. And if I hit all the damn mountains, then well, I'm going to start finding a way to dig into the ocean because I need <laughs> shit to do. Hell yeah. And I heard you, you didn't answer that question selfishly, right? It was selfless, right? So I heard you mention we and us winning and all those things like that, right? So it's important who you have around you, right? And most people have a winning mindset. They're motivated. They have all the tangibles, right? But you got to surround yourself around the right people to do different jobs. Just like, for example, with your business here at Power Home, right? How do you, just a general question, how do you identify who's the right people that you want around you? How do you identify who you want in your circle to run different parts or aspects of the business, man? Well, that's hard because it changes yeah. and evolves. So, right. So, so Power Home 1.0, where it's just Kevin and I, 
you know, it's like, we don't need anybody else. And Power Home 2.0, where it was Kevin and I, we bring Steve in. It's like, hmm. Okay, how do we figure that out? All right, let's like then I love Steve. At the beginning, Kevin was like, I don't know about Steve. I'm like, I need a mentor. We gotta figure this out, you know? Yeah. And then it was the three of us and it was like, well, how, you know, oh, then Juan. And you you figure out as you evolve. So a company is like a child. And it grows and it evolves and it evolves and it evolves. And either the people in that company grow with it, or they sit on the sidelines and the company outgrows them. And then they get and they get better. We, you know, people that you that have worked for you or near you or peers that we just outgrow them and they didn't grow. And you're like, damn, that sucks. Well, they get off on the they get off on the stop. Train stops for a second, lets people off, puts people back on, and keeps moving. And we have to challenge ourselves to get coached and train and get better to grow with it. And so as we start to grow, pieces come in, pieces come out, pieces come in, pieces come out. Some pieces can keep up and grow with it. I will say the executive team we've got now has been has done a pretty good job of growing with the company as have I, I'm challenging myself all the time, but we're drinking from my fire hydrant. Are there things that I lack? Hell yeah. Are there things that the rest of the team like, yeah, but I'm always getting coaching and I'm trying to get better and I'm challenging the executives and making them challenge the directors guys. As we evolve, we created all these other positions. We've got to grow with the company or it's going to outgrow us and we're going to be left in the cold. And that's for me too. I, I don't, I don't put myself separated. That's for me too. I eat what we make, right? I, I put, preach and practice what I'm preaching. Like I'm all in. I don't want someone to go, well, he's not going to do it. Bullshit. I am grooming myself. I am training myself. I am trying to be better. I do make mistakes. I own my mistakes, but it's the accountability factor. And the moment that we're accountable for our actions and it's okay that we outgrow some people, maybe it's not for them and things grow too fast and that's okay. But we need people in our leadership team that can grow with it. Or we bring some from the outside. And I don't like to bring people from the outside, but sometimes it's needed. And, you know, like yourself, you came in as a field energy consultant, right? We hired you. I think Cassidy hired you as a freaking bartender. Yes, 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 yes. yes. You Kenny came in hired as an me, FBC. <laughs> then you became a DM. And yeah. you weren't even the best DM. You were of like course. second, like your whole story's always place. been your second every time for everything, right? Yeah, because there's while. always room to grow. But you stay, I love that, by the way. Like my wife said, well, where do you want your son to be on a football team or a baseball team or my kids? I said, I want them to be like third or fourth best person on the team. I never want them number one because they fall apart and I don't want them last because they're discouraged. You put them in the middle and they can grow, but you've grown and then you became, yes. you know, a regional and now the, now the promotions come and brewing. So, Ooh. you know, some things are happening, but look, you evolved in three years and you're soaking it in. You're a sponge. You're learning. You're surrounding yourself with people who want to win. You're surrounding yourself with people in your life that care and support you and can uplift you. That's the difference maker, Armando. And that's the difference between somebody in your role that's getting ready to move up and maybe somebody that could have had your role, but it, it, the company outgrew them. And that's not a knock on them, but it's just, that's what happens. God gives us all gifts. And sometimes our gifts limit in certain spots and then we've got to add other spots in. And that's where we've got to learn to adapt. Yeah. And I always used to hear this back in the day and just to pun off my second place thing. But I like to think I got a red belt mentality, man. The most dangerous person in the gym whenever you go to a karate class is the people with the red belt because they're just on the edge of getting to that black belt, man. So yeah. I like it. So you talked a Did lot you about do karate growth, as right? a kid. I did not. I did not. How but I got a red belt back there. I, you, I, see the I got belt. a red belt back there. I heard about it. Oh. So I look, man. I always I, thought Rob brown was before black. I didn't know it was <laughs> no, red. No, it's red. 
red and then black, man. So you talked about growth, right? You got to grow. Everything is about growing, right? And some people want to take the elevator, right? And a lot of our listeners out here are probably listening to this and they haven't quite hit a hundred grand yet. And a lot of people look at that as success, right? So people say when you get six figures, you've made it, right? How old were you when you first made six figures? Let's hear that, man. I got to hear that one. Okay. So I was, Hannah was born. I was 18. I started working for Verizon at 21. Yeah. I was 21. 21 years old and you had made six figures. Yeah. Did you spend all that money? Well, being I, that I bought young? a house. I bought a house at 20 and I was on pace to make a hundred grand. Now, remember I was working at Verizon Wireless as a business account manager when cell phones were only 30% penetrated at the time. So this was 01. And I could have made it in 2000, but I'd left a job and, and, and took this job because it was a bigger opportunity. So I took a step back to take two steps forward. And then I also drove limos on the weekend. So I hustled. And so I made six limos. figures. Yeah, I drove limos, dude. I got lots of stories. <laughs> I was a limo driver on the weekend, baby. I'd be like, you can't smoke in here, but look, for $200. $200, you know, I can get this clean out, baby you want. I'll clean this thing out. Yeah, well, what do you want to do? You tell me, I got you. Yeah, I got I mean, you, man. Like driving limos is cool because you meet, you network, you meet people, right? And yeah, and you hear things, and they ask questions. And you know, I was a young kid driving limos is cool, and I had a buddy of mine was doing it too. It was fun, but I was on that hustle. I needed to make more because my wife, you know, she got pregnant again. She didn't want to work, and so it's like I got to be able to provide all the way. And so I was doing good. I was 21 and I made over six figures for a couple of years. And then I opened a business and I had about 12 grand, 12 to 13 grand that I had saved because making hundred grand a year, I was just paying my bills. We had two car payments. We had daycare. Sometimes we had the formula for my second daughter was so expensive. The insurance wouldn't cover it. It was like a hundred dollars a can. So it was like, oh my goodness. So I had all of that stuff going on, on top of trying to save money just to put up. And, and then when I got fed up, I wouldn't get promoted and I got a little fired up and I had an opportunity to open my own business. I did that. So I worked at Verizon for six months while I built my business on the side. And I told my manager that. So I have a great relationship with him now. In fact, I, I give him kudos in my book. He was one of my mentors, but I was upfront with him. Like, look, I'm, I have this opportunity to open a company. So you can either have 0% of me or have 75% of me. And I was his best guy. So he was like, I'll take it. And so we, you know, I was up front with him. What's bad is when people are doing things and they're not up front, right? And then bad things happen because you're trying to, oh, I'm doing this and I'm not doing that. Like I was just up front. Like, look, you're going to get me from nine to five, nine to four. But don't, after that, I'm, I'm working my home security business because I'm building it up. Took six months and I could finally walk away. Yeah. It wasn't always roses and sunshine and all that good stuff like that, right? So I know you started off being what people will call quote unquote successful from 21 years old all the way up to now, right? What is the most humbling experience that you've been through? Just it could be a personal humbling experience. It could be any of those things. Like what was the, what, when was that or what, what happened during that time? So I will say this, you know, watching my parents worked so hard and I never had the best relationship with them. My relationship with them now is a lot better than what it was, but my brother, my success is his failure and his failure is my success. That's what he believes. And so the more successful I get, the more, more he doesn't like me it hurts my feelings. 
I wish he would. I was like a dad to him because my parents worked so much. So I like pretty much raised him. He was four years younger than me and I looked out for him and I did all these things. But he has that mentality of he has to be better than me. And if he's not, he hates himself. And I'm just not built that way. God didn't make me that way. Like I love to be around people that are better than me because then I can get better. But he he's not built that way. And so, you know, when I... We did a deal with TriVest and I, I got to buy a house for a few million dollars in Michigan cash, right? I was embarrassed for my parents to know what I paid for the house and embarrassed for them to come see it because I I was like, felt like, you know, why me? You know, am I, do I really deserve this? It just, so I think, you know, most people have lost stuff. I will say that, you know, that that was one time I didn't lose something, but I was like, did I, did I do the right thing buying this house? And I earned it. I mean, looking back and having therapy, I mean, look, I've got a therapist and she's like, look, you know, you're always scared to have nice shit and show it off because your family's made you feel bad about it. And now, you know, I'm not trying to be flamboyant. I try to build a brand, but to get credibility, sometimes you got to show stuff off. I don't like to show stuff off. It's not my personality, but sometimes you need that in order to build a brand and then to have credibility. And so at that moment that my parents came and saw the house and they found out what I paid for it was, I was like scared and, and humbled, but, but my dad was like, I'm so proud of you. So it was a good moment, but I was so bothered. Like, so you're going to be like, why the fuck would you spend that? Like, you know what I mean? And, and to him yeah. still, sometimes he's like, how the hell do you buy that? Like things still bother him. And I'm like, dude, it's fine. He's like, why would you? I'm like, dad, I live once calm Damn. down. Right. So that was one time and there were several, but another time, was in December, the end of December, beginning of January 15 to 16, we almost shut down. And, you know, our CSO, Ben Burkhart brought it up, you know, many times where I was at a point in the business where I've never failed. Amando, everything I've done, I've worked my ass off to make it successful. I never failed. Right. I, so a lot of people are like, oh, I've made money and I lost money. I haven't done that. I've always climbed the damn ladder. 15 wasn't the case, you know, sold the business and home security, Ben and, and Eric went on their, their merry way running the home security business. And Kevin and I went to go do solar. Kevin was still doing some call center work. I was trying to build the solar from the bottom up. We weren't getting a paycheck. And at the end of 15, I have Kevin in my ear. We need to shut down. It's losing money. We're not getting paid. We're upside down over a million dollars. And I would tell him it ain't your million dollars. It's mine. I took all the money I had. I put it in there. <laughs> my money, yeah. Dude. Yeah. You haven't put shit in. Like we would argue, but it was getting frustrating. Yeah. And I had a decision to make and I started calling friends and I started calling peers and I started calling ex-partners. You know, Ben was one of those calls. And I said, look, I've, I've got this business that is going to be successful because I don't fucking lose. And I see the light. I just need the cash flow to get there because it's a cash flow business. Like we're selling something that's costing money. I can't put it in unless we got the money to continue to sell it. Ben didn't have any money to give me. You know, if he did, he was like nervous, like he's not involved. So he rightfully said, I don't think I'm going to do that. And that's okay. Uh, there were other people that were like, no, 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 hell no. You know, I had a lot of that. <laughs> so I sold my house and that was humbling to go to my wife and to go to my kids and to tell her, cause Kevin, me, Kevin, a huge argument. I prayed about it that night and I thought about it and I said, you know what? I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to work my ass off. I'm going to sell my house. I'm going to bust my ass. And if I don't succeed, well, damn it, I gave it 110%. But if I get this thing moving, 
then great. Then I did the right thing. Because if I just like quit now and take the, okay, it's the easy way and try to cut my losses. There was like 40 employees at the time. What are they going to do? And now I'm letting them down. So it was humbling to go to my wife and get the stink eye and the kids like we're selling our house on the lake. Yeah. And we downsized. We bought a much smaller house cash and you know, we lived in an apartment for two months while we converted that. I mean, it was a shit show. My kids were like, I don't know what's going on. Are we broke? Like, yeah, dude, like we're, we're broke. Like, like what the hell's going broke, on? Like, baby. yeah, we're, we're broke. Like this is, I'm putting yeah. everything back into the company. You're just going to have to hold your breath and figure shit out. Like I got this and they weren't used to it. Not that we weren't broke before, but we had a good life. We're living on the lake. Things were nice. All of a sudden, like not anymore. So that created more haters. I'm under more people like, oh, look, Waller must've lost his money. Oh, he lost his ass. Business is going down. All that did is give me more drive. I mean, if there was any extra push, shit, that just gave it. That made that gasoline in there from 93 to 105 octane because I was like, rock on, baby. I got you guys. Let me get your popcorn, get your Pepsi. I'm putting on a motherfucking show and I was excited. And so that's what I did. And I grinded, I grinded, I went out and sold. I, you know, I did everything. I could cleaned house, started putting people around it. Like a light bulb went off. Like, here's what you got to do, Jay. Wow. And I figured it out. Yeah. And then the rest is history. But that humbled moment of almost losing everything and selling my home and going all in everything I've ever worked for, all the jobs, all of the businesses, everything I've ever worked for now was into the company. And I haven't seen a dollar for almost two years in there. And I sold my house and I was all in. That was probably the most humbling experience because that was that was a test of of do you have the the wavos to do it or not. And, I, and that taught me, you got to play life. Like you got pocket aces. You have to play life like that. If you don't play life like yes. that, you're going to get eaten up. And that's what that taught me. It was a big deal. I'm Jason Waller with the true underdog podcast. Do you want to focus on things that matter by increasing your levels of mental awareness? I know I do. Do you want to improve your mood and decrease anxiety to help protect from mental exhaustion? Hello, sign me up. Well, my friends over at Sizz have a new product called Flow. It's ready to drink powder that works as an energy and focus enhancer. That's right, an energy and focus enhancer. Everybody can use that. And you can put that bad boy in water, smoothies, coffee. Think about that. Supercharge your coffee and keep your energy level at optimal levels throughout the entire day. This can help you think outside the box and get into that creative flow. And hey, the product is called Flow. Now, you can visit my friends at sizz.life forward slash underdog. That's S-I-I-Z dot life forward slash underdog. It's pre-launching right now. You get 50% off the price if you put in that website. Visit them today. Bam. I'm Jason Waller with the True Underdog Podcast. Summer's almost over and responsibility is about to rear its head. Get ahead of reality and get life insurance done now. With Policy Genius, you can get free quotes in minutes. If someone relies on you for your financial support, whether it's a child, an aging parent, or even a business partner, you need life insurance. Policy Genius makes it easy to compare quotes from over a dozen top insurers all in one place. Why compare? Well, you can save 50% or more on life insurance by comparing quotes with Policy Genius. And eligible applicants can get covered in as little as a week thanks to an award winning policy option that swaps the standard medical exam requirement for a simple phone call. Getting started is easy. First, head to policygenius.com. In minutes, you can work out how much life insurance you need and compare personalized quotes to find your best price. Again, head to policygenius.com to get started right now. 
Have you ever been grief strucken through any of this stuff? Like, have you ever experienced grief to a point to where it kind of to where it kind of triggered you to want to have somebody to talk to, like a therapist or anything like that? Boy, you're you getting deep, man. Anything? I'm getting all like uh, I got, emotional. I got you, man. You're like the funny this guy. I it. thought we were going to be like cutting up. Hey, hey, baby, boy. We're going to have some yeah, fun, we'll too, man. Right. We're going to have some I'm fun. Like, Let's hear it, man. Ooh, okay. <laughs> so um, when I had the falling out, when I owned the security company, I had a falling out with my parents. I had a falling out with my brother first. My brother was drinking and then driving on the job and throwing stuff at people on the road. He was just a fucking asshole. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> dude, like you're a liability. I can't have you work yeah. here. I wanted him so bad to be my right hand guy. Yeah. And every chance I gave him, he was a liability. It was just, it was a shit show. And I had to make a move. I had to protect our company. This was a home security business time. So I was like, you got to go. You're out. Well, he went to go do his own company and I've blessed it. That's fine. And then he, my parents got nasty with me about some stuff. And my mom got nasty with my wife who was pregnant and shoulder checked her. What? Yeah. So there was an argument and she kind of just shoulder checked her while she was pregnant. So of course I call my mom. I'm heated. My dad calls me, goes off the handle. It gets ugly. Shit. All this is in my book, by the way. I talk about this in my book. And because I'm an open book, I don't hide from anything. And I've got a great relationship with my mom and dad. You know that people know that. Like I love them to death and they're better grandparents. They were parents and they weren't horrible parents. They just, you know, they were young, raising. I'm not making excuses or things they could have done better, but I forgive and move on. However, when that moment happened, my parents were out of my life and they walked out, quit the job. They worked for the security company, put me in a bad position. And so because the way that went down, I didn't talk to him for almost a year. And my wife was pregnant with my son. And so when, when a son was getting ready to be born, so here, I'm not talking to my brother and I'm not talking to my parents. And my sister's kind of like, who does she talk to? And when she talked to me, they'd all get mad at her. When she talked to them, I wouldn't get mad at her. I didn't care. But, you know, she kind of got thrown into my group with me, right? Like, oh, Jason and Jesse. Like, so it was kind of like, okay, whatever. And she continued to work for me at the time. And so it was a tough time because I had like nobody. This is the first time I didn't have my parents involved in anything. Yeah. And my wife, we went to a church on Easter. Yeah. We always go to church on Easter and, and Christmas. We go to church more, but that's when we first started. Like we go to church on Easter and Christmas. And I remember sitting there, Elmondo, and I remember seeing these dads and these fathers and these husbands and these sons and these brothers having control of their family, praying over their family. And it was something I didn't have. And I said, I'm missing that. And I would never grow up a Christian person. So I just felt like I had a breakdown. I was bawling. I started praying. I asked God to come in my life. Like things just changed for me. And so that led to me to be a born again Christian and led to me to repropose to my wife, even though we were already married, to do, to do a bigger wedding on our 10th anniversary in 2011 and invite my parents and make up with them. But I didn't talk to them for almost a year. And that time grieving of not talking to them and bringing, you know, God into my life and changing who I was, we all, we, we went and got baptized the day before we got remarried. The whole family was next level. And I think the grieving period of like where it hurt and it was emotional for me was that year where I didn't talk to them. But what it made me learn, because my mom and my dad felt like at the time, because they're the grandparents, they're entitled to see my kids. And entitlement it's not true in anything. It's, it's bullshit. There's no such thing as entitlement. A relationship is a mutual feeling. It's a mutual, I give and you give, I receive and you receive. Just because we're blood related doesn't give you entitlement to shit and doesn't mean that you automatically get a relationship. 
that your wife is number first. God's number one. Your wife is number two. Your kids are number three. Your parents are number four. Your siblings are number five. That's how it is for me. But it took me a long time. I didn't figure that out till I was 30. Till I was 30. So my advice to you and anybody else out there getting married, when you marry your wife, that under God is number one. That's more important than your mama. It's more important than your dad. And that was a hard thing for me to figure out. My brother still never figured out. I've been divorced, married again, like still has those issues. My sister's finally starting to get it. It took me till I was 30. And when I figured that out, my parents, I think, because parents want to feel needed. And when they don't feel needed, they get what's going on. They get defensive and they get aggressive. They figured it out too that, wow. And I used to tell them, if you can't respect my circle, you're not in my circle. I'm the mom. Yeah, I'm your mom. I don't give a shit. You get zero entitlement here. I don't care if you're my mom. I, you don't, you get to see my kids when you're respectful of my wife and me. That's how this works. And so that me stepping up, just like I stepped up to Liz's mom, I had to step up to my family and really set the boundaries and gain the respect. And that's me evolving. Right. And then I got it. And now there's, oh, they're there. And like, there's mutual respect. They love my wife. They love my kid. Like it's a, the best relationship you can ask for, but it all wasn't that time. I had to grieve. There was a lot of issues. I had to gain control. I had to set the rules and boundaries to protect my family. And, you know, I have friends that I'm, that are, are brothers to me. It, we're not blood related. I'd fucking die for them. And that's what it's about relationships. There you go, man. I heard you mentioning stuff about your wife, man, and, and how important all those things are to you, man. But as you know, I'm about to get married coming up next month. I know. So congratulations yep, to me. Love you, Marcella. It's my baby girl right there. Now I get in an argument with my girl a lot. Like I, I work here for Power Home. I'm a regional manager here and I do a lot of work, man. And for all of you guys that don't know, Jason Waller is a full time CEO, a father, a husband. He does this podcast. How demanding is it for you just like on a day to day? Like because it could be crazy. You're getting pulled here. You're getting pulled there. You got shit to do over there. How demanding is it for you, man? Are you exhausted right now? I get exhausted sometimes, but I will tell you that I had an interview not too long ago. I'm trying to remember who it was. And I said, how do you do balance? And they said, you can't. It's bullshit. When (laughs) When people say, well, I've got my home life and I've got my work life. You've only got life. That's it. And you got to set the expectations early. Yeah. Like, look, I'm building this for us. This is what I'm doing. I'm going to be here. It's about moments. It's not about time. See, young couples husbands or wives, spouses, girlfriends, boyfriends, kids, they think it's about time. Let me tell you something, your wife and your kids, when you, if you, if, when you have kids, they're not going to remember that you were home every day at four o'clock to 10 o'clock yeah. because the kids are going to be up playing video games, playing on the <laughs> phone. Your wife's going to be on Facebook and Instagram, making dinner, hanging out, whatever. Right. Yeah. What they're going to remember is the moments that you make a memory yeah. like, Hey, I might not go home till seven 30, yeah. but I brought you some flowers and That's I wrote it. you a letter. Or I might not get home till 8.30, but I brought you some chocolates and some wine. I don't drink wine, but whatever. You know, or I or I might have to work on Saturday, but when I get home, we're going out to the movies. It's date night, not normal night. I'm coming to pick you up, be dressed up. Those little things that you can do to make them count are the difference. You've got kids, it's the same thing. Like, hey, I try to do date night with my girls, you know, once every few months where I take just one of them out and spend time. I try to hang out with my son every chance I get. He wants to box. I find time. He's going to remember that. Not that 
dad was home at three o'clock or five o'clock and was here. <laughs> yeah. But if you're not there, it doesn't matter. If you're going to be home, you're going to be answering phones. You might as well go get your shit done, get home and then make it about them. Yes. But it's what you can do. How do you build a memory? It's not just sitting there at home. And that's where people lack. Well, I got to be home enough. Yeah, but what the fuck do you do at home? <laughs> like, what do you do? You're going to mow the fucking lawn. You're going to stare and watch a show. Why don't you do something that matters, right? Why don't you work your ass off, take your wife out to a fucking nice meal and a, and a dinner, you know, take your kid to the fair, yeah. like do something they're going to remember. Like dad took me to the fair. They remember dad was home at five o'clock. No, sir. So you have life. There's no such thing as balance. And when you set the expectations early, but you're a man of your word or woman of your word and you execute on what you say. And look, I'm, I fuck up. Yeah. Sometimes my wife's like, Jay, I need some attention. I'm like, yeah. fuck, you're right. <laughs> you know, cause that's what Damn happens. It. You got, all right, yes. I gotta get my shit together. But you know, that's, you gotta have that open relationship. But yeah. on the other token, you got to be able to communicate. A lot of spouses won't talk about work at home. And I think that's failure. Number one, I think if, and when you can talk about work at home and you can bring things up to your spouse and get them involved, they feel important and they're involved in your life. They want to be involved in your life. It was Rob Deerdick, the guy in ridiculousness. Yeah, that's yeah, who yeah. it was. So I talked to him on the show. He's the most anal person you've ever met. He has a schedule. He's like, I spend 14% with my family, 17% doing this. I'm like, well, what the shit? <laughs> He's the one that said every morning, which I did it for four days and I stopped every morning. He sends a message or an email to his wife and says, where's our relationship stand today? That's deep, right? You do that every morning. Now you're getting it honest. I'm a seven. Why? You're fixing it. Nine. Yes. Right now you're always engaged and on it and you care. Yeah. It's important. Oh yeah. I think I'm going to try the, that. I'm going to try that. Let me, let I me take a shot for that. five days. He just reminded me I'm going to have to do it again, but it's a good standpoint. Like, yeah. because sometimes you don't know what you don't know. You don't know what might've bothered them. You don't know that they didn't give you attention or you might be feeling guilty and they don't give a shit right now. They got things going on too. They're like, it's fine, but it's important that you allow your spouse to have an identity. Yeah. You know, I won't say 100%. any names, but someone close to me works with us. Sometimes he has struggled. His wife does never found an identity it was hard for him. Yeah. Hard for her. You got to make sure that they find an identity. They have friends. They can do things because it can't just be about you that I've learned as well. Like it's got to, they got to be able to come out and grow themselves and do their own things. They can't just be Elmondo's wife or Jason's wife. They've got to be their own person. hundred percent. That's man. key. I can't agree with you more, man. Let's talk a little bit about your book, man. Look, so own your power. No excuses. No bullshit. Your time is now, man. What kind of mindset are you in while you're making like while you're getting this book done? Like what kind of mindset are you in? man? What, what is this all about? What's going on? Is it game time? It was reflection of everything I've been through, trying to give tidbits and, and advice and steps to people to live a no excuse life, to get out of their own way, to be relatable to things I've been through and say, it's okay. Like they can step through this. If I can do it, anybody can do it. Like that's how I truly feel. And so I just share real personal stories where I open up and it's usually got a, a worksheet type thing at the end of it, but it, it's really a lesson, you know, like create your own map. And then it talks about it. Then it challenges you at the end. It talks about a story, a couple stories I've been through to create your own map. And then it applies into business and times you create your own map. And then it gives you a little thing at the end to talk about. And then, you know, love your haters. You got the shirt there. All these different chapters, you have sections that I tell real stories that have happened that I've been through that people can go, shit, you know what? That's happened to me. And it's just trying to get them to realize that, look, we're all in this together. It's not you versus other people. It's you versus you. And you've got to figure out what you're going to do about that. 
And those eight steps is what it was for. I was nervous when I wrote it. I was like, you know, I spent about 80 hours writing it, hundred hours writing it. It's like, th- those are the hours just on the book, but it was, it was exciting. It brought back some old memories. It rejuvenated me a little bit and it got me to the point to where I, I believe it'll do okay. You know, I, I've got some big people that read the book and they're endorsing the book and they're telling me it's going to do great. So it makes me feel good, but really it's what it's about is it's, if it helps one person, it did its job. And I think it'll help other, I think it'll be helpful and it's nothing special I've done. It's no secret sauce. It's just stories to be relatable with a mindset. It's all about setting those mindset and those eight principles of changing your life because too many times we're scared to take the leap or we're scared to, you know, we make an excuse and we're scared to bet on ourselves and all of these things that we do as human beings, we all have issues. Like I have my problems, you have your problems, everybody has shit. And there are some people go through worse shit than we go through. But to our mind, it could be the same equal shit because that's all our mind can handle. So people have shit, period. And we have to figure out what we're going to do to not use that the reason why we can't do what we want. So who's your targeted audience with this book, man? Like, are you going after the entrepreneur? Are you trying to go after the people that just that want to be successful and they're just trying to get started? Like, who are you going after? Who are you trying to target with this book? It's a great question. I mean, I I would say it's a male or female between the ages of 22 and and 55. And it's someone that um, they could be an entrepreneur. They could be a career person. They could be a teacher. They could be in a relationship that they're struggling to figure it out because this ties into relationship. This ties into business. This ties into family. This ties into owning a business. This ties into a career advancement at jobs. I mean, it's a lot of people like that who it won't apply to are the people that just, they don't even want to ever bet on themselves. They have every excuse in the world and they're super fucking negative. Do yourself a favor. Don't buy the book because it's going to call you out. It's going to say, why are you saying those things? Why are you feeling those things? Why do you get bothered by people's success? Why, why don't you get excited about people's success and learn? And so there'll be people that won't buy the book because they're pessimists and they're negative and they're haters. And that's okay. Those are the people that make our octane a little higher and we are successful. But these are people that maybe they're a teacher and they want to be a better teacher. They want to be the principal. Maybe they're a cop and they want to be a sheriff or they want to be a lieutenant. Maybe they're, you know, opening a business and they want to open up another one. Maybe they have a job they hate and they want to open a business. Maybe they're in a sales organization and they're, they want to apply themselves better to move up in the organization. Whatever it is on a career, maybe they're in a marriage they can't stand. Maybe they're in a marriage it needs work. Maybe they're shitty parents. So they like, it has all of these stories tied with a mindset that can be applied business and personal. Right. And so that's the goal. It's, you know, it's not targeted to just one specific person, anybody that's willing to adapt, listen, and have self-reflection and wants to do better. That's who the book's for people who don't want to do better and point the finger. Absolutely. So after this book comes out, what is next for Jason Waller? You going to start knocking out some book signings? You thinking about going to go speak in front of groups or what is next for you after this book comes out, man? I would say, I mean, I'm good. I'm still running CEO power. I'm solo. That's, that's the, the the main thing is the main thing. That's what I (laughs) do, right? The, the book is just a side thing. The podcast is a side thing. I'll do some speaking. You know, I like it. My favorite part of my job at Power Home is doing the sales meetings and inspiring people. Now they've cut me to once a quarter. It's like, (laughs) 
<laughs> so they don't want you to talk no more. Huh? Well, it's not about them not wanting me to talk. It's about it builds up more. Rather, it's rather than the same. We all felt it wasn't really their decision. We all talked about it and said, look, if I'm if I'm not at each one of them and I, I do once a quarter, will it be more impactful? And they agreed. And it's allowing, I mean, I everything can't be me. It's allowing other people to shine. I have to step aside. I mean, people can't grow if I'm just there hovering. So it's very important. It's selfless, like you said, I, to step to the side, let other people elevate and be the face and do things and inspire. And then I get my time, you know, once a quarter, be like, let's go, right? And so, <laughs> but that's my favorite part. So inspiring and talking to people, motivating people is my favorite part by far. Got you. So look, let's have a little bit more fun, man. Let's talk a little bit about the five things that Jason Waller can't live without. Now, this stuff can be materialistic. You can talk about people. You can talk about any of those things. And if we want to, it's your show. We can make it seven if you want. These are in no particular order. But what is the number one thing you feel like you can't live without? My family. <laughs> there you go. Family is number one. Okay. What's number two? Um, Water. Water? Okay. <laughs> I mean, are we getting there? I would going, imagine you, so. You want me to be more like no water, no food? No, be, 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 be deeper than that, man. Think about it. So, like, I watched this before. Uh, I've seen rappers get um, interviewed and stuff, right? And they're asking them questions. They're like, all right, what five things you can't live without? They pull out a big old stack of money. They, they talk about the watches. They talk about all those things that they can't live without. And family, of course, is a given. Water, food, all those stuffs are a given. Let, you can be materialistic in this situation. But, but I can live without any of my tangible items. That's how I truly is feel. Right? I mean, like, you know, there's things I love. Like, I love shoes. Yeah. I love belts. There you go. You know, I like watches. I don't really love them. But like, you know, there's nothing I could live without. Like I, I, I can separate from any of my tangible items. I truly feel that way. And some people can't, I'm like, you know, we're getting ready to sell this house and move to North Carolina. I love this house. I'm a little heartbroken, but I'm going to live without it. You know what I mean? It's like, eh, it's just a thing. I think I get technical on some, I can't live without face lotion. <laughs> right, Lemire. I use you Lemire. get ashy face. Yeah, I, I like I like to put stuff on my face. I can't live without Creed. So I'm a big smell yeah. good guy. I can't live without mouthwash. Like, what is that lotion you call? What, what is that Lemire. lotion called again? I smelled this Lemire. lotion. Lemire. What is it? I'm gonna have to write so that down, good. man. Lemire. I'm gonna have to try yeah, it out. And, and Go then, ahead. Go ahead. And then the the Cologne Creed. You know, Jack Black body wash. Like I have to have that Jack Black. body wash. I love that. I'm particular. I love to smell good. Amanda. That's my thing. Like there's a few things I can't control. Like I'm going to be a little chubby here and there. Right. You'll make semi round, and, <laughs> here and there. you know, that, but the thing I can control is I want to smell good. I could smell oh, yeah. good. And that's what just my deal. It's been my deal since I, you know, when I lived in the trailer park and I didn't have much money, damn it. I was going to smell good. I might not have the clothes, <laughs> but motherfucker, when I walked in, you were like, damn, you smell good. ocean spray. Yeah. I was, I found a way, like I'd save my money and get the cologne because I couldn't afford all the clothes. I could wear the cologne every day. I could only wear the clothes one day and have to wait another week. So, you know, I wanted <laughs> yeah. to smell good. If I couldn't look good, I wanted to smell good. And so I've always had that mindset and I've always have a full fridge. You know, always, always have and a my full parents friend, were yeah. that way because both my parents didn't have much money growing up. So we didn't have much money growing up, but we had a full fridge. Like my parents had food everywhere. That's how we are. Like the fridge is always like just too full. It's like, what the hell? And it's just, I think it's this thing I overbuy. Like, oh, I'm going to buy five gallons of milk, not <laughs> one. I'll buy four things of eggs, we'll not one, back. right? I overdo it. 
I think also, uh, I love my Yeezys. I work out. I wear Yeezys all day, every day. Those are the best shoes on the planet. You know, I've got nice shoes. Those are my shoes. I got them on now. I wear them everywhere I go. It's, I just love them unless it's a photo shoot. I don't like them in pictures, but I, they're the most comfortable, you know, food wise. I, I love chips and salsa. Ew, man. Chips and salsa. What is this, man? What are you, you know, talking about I, right now? Man? I, I love the cheap ass <laughs> paste picante, thick, chunky salsa. You know, I grew up on it with Tostitos chips and get as much salsa on the chip as you can to where it's falling out and shove it in your throat. Like that's, <laughs> that's my Dude, thing. can you cook? That's my question for you. Can, can, can Jason Waller cook? Like, I mean, and so I Jason feel like, I feel like you make, can grill. I can, I can grill really good. There you go. Uh, Kenny Boom Boom's a little better than me at grilling, but I can grill yeah. pretty good. Um, I cook a, a monster chili and a monster um, vegetable soup. <laughs> Like they're like the bomb. You're like, holy shit. And I've been told, I don't know how special you got to be to make ramen, but I make the best ramen and the best grilled cheese sandwiches on the planet. That's what I'm told. Now my ramen, <laughs> I take a lot of garlic <laughs> and a lot of salt and pepper. And I take boyon, beef boyon cubes and throw it into the ramen noodles. My kids love ramen noodles, but I make it like a gourmet ramen. They're like, you need to make the ramen. And then my grilled cheese sandwiches, you know, are so buttered. Well, everyone's dairy now, so they don't, we don't make them anymore. They're all dairy allergies. But I used to make bomb ass grilled cheese sandwiches and tomato soup. Just dip the shit in there. It's like, oh Dude, everything you're talking about sounds like you've been to prison before, bro. All this sounds like prison food. You sound like you make a small. I grew up, I had SpaghettiOs. I still eat them. Chili noodles. No steak, no pasta, no like you just just you just skip all over I, the place I, I and start just, naming I, broke stuff. I just started <laughs> I just started eating fish recently. Dude, like I'm not into classy rich ass food, man. That shit yeah. that stuffy ass food doesn't do nothing for me. Like, you want some caviar? Fuck no, I don't want caviar. <laughs> do some fish eggs, damn it. Like I threw up. There's a video that's viral somewhere of me puking eating that shit with Benny B. You're joking. No, you're he, joking, he bro. He won a bet. And I had to eat caviar and he put all, oh, as much as they, and he put so much on a, on a cracker and I started eating, I started vomiting <laughs> at the dinner table. Bro, this is one thing I can say, man. I told when him, I, I said, you ever make me do some shit like that again, I'm going to be, take your arms off and beat the shit out of you with them. You're going to have to, man. Uh, look, check this out, bro. I hate going to fancy restaurants now. I used to love it so much, man. I don't know what it is, bro. But they all start to taste the same after a while, man. But best restaurant you've ever experienced. Like, What do you like? What's your favorite go-to restaurant out in Michigan? Bella Piatti. My boy Nino owns it. It's the Italian restaurant in front of the Townsend in Birmingham. It is the best. Second would be Hyde Park. Hyde Park. I've been to Hyde Park before. I love the food Bella there. Bella Piatti is amazing. It's an Italian restaurant. It is fucking amazing. Dude, you live in Detroit of all places, right? It's in the D, right? So funny story. When we came down to your house and you invited the whole leadership team and stuff there, man, Detroit is not a game. So we went out after Jason wasn't with us. We went out after we left your house. Right. And I'm walking down the street. We had just left a little bar or something. It's two in the morning. Like and people from Detroit do not play. I learned that the hard way. Right. I guess that's why first 48 is there. But a guy walked up to me and asked me, he's like, why are you walking like that? And I was like, "What? why am I walking like that? He's like, yeah, why are you walking like that? 
And he started following me and following the group that we were with, man. Detroit is a nasty place sometimes, <laughs> did, man, did, depending on where you are. Did you guys pucker up like you ate bad Indian food and walk real fast like you had to go to the bathroom? I had to. I clutched my purse. I clutched my purse and I was gone. I was out of there, man. The D is not a game, man. And, and but I don't I know live you, in the D. I live north of the D. Yeah, you, but you got to go there to see the football games, though, because you're it's a big fine. Detroit fan. Yeah, it's fine on a Sunday afternoon or Sunday night or Thursday night. They got security down there. I pull up at the DAC, walk to the game, walk out. And you walk to the game. From where we park, yeah. Now, by the way, true story. Before we opened up and I moved to Michigan, Kevin and I would go to Detroit all the time. We would stay in Detroit. He wanted to drive in the hood. And we would give out, <laughs> true story, we would give out $100 bills to homeless people to help them out. What? We felt great. We'd take them, we'd go buy food with them. We'd give them, like, which yeah. we'd be like, hey, let's go. We wanted, we, I don't want to just give to a foundation. You want to see the impact yeah. sometimes, right? And help people out. We would do that. It was, it was amazing. But a few times it got a little squirrely. And then Kevin's like, I'm going <laughs> to knock on a door and see if someone wants to buy an alarm. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? We're going to die. Like, why oh, are you? Man. He's like, it's the middle of the day. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> People don't die during the day. Dude, like, dude, like, come on, man. Like, come on. Have you had anything scary happen to you out there in Detroit, man? That, I'm not going to lie, bro. I, look, bro, I'm not a small guy. I was in Detroit. This guy that asked me that was a small guy. And normally, I was like, all right, man, who you talking to if I was here? But I was in Detroit. They had manholes with dust coming out of them. I said, man, I can't talk to this guy any kind of way, man. So have you ever been approached in a scary kind of way where you're in a situation? You're like, what the hell's about to happen? What's going on? What, yes. what, what do you have? Yes. One time before I moved here, we were visiting here and Murph and Kevin were walking with me. And yeah. Kevin is like a fire starter. Like he starts more shit and runs away and never wants to engage in anything. And I'm like being around yeah. him. I'm like, dude, can you just shut up? And so yeah. we were walking and there were all these bikers and they said oh something and Kevin said something like under his breath to me. And they said something. They start walking fast. Steve Murph's like, this is like one of our first times hanging out. Murph. I'm like, shit's about to get real. Murph goes, well, I can throw. I ain't worried. I'm like, <laughs> Well, for all of you all that don't know, uh, Steve Murphy's like 65 years old. So just, just for the story, but yeah, I got and, you. And looks like Tom Selleck. And the dude's like, <laughs> I, I can throw his, his head bobs a little bit. And I'm like, all right, man, all right. So nothing happened, thank goodness. You know, we kind of walked and did our own thing. But I don't, you know, I one thing I learned, I mean, I grew up in Phoenix where there were drive-bys and stuff over in Glendale. I didn't grow up, people were like, oh, you grew up in Arizona, Scottsdale? No, that's where rich people lived. I lived over in the hood, in the ghetto, in the... In, where Vatos Locos was. Like, I lived over there. And so it was a little different. Like, my next door neighbor's house got shot up by a drive-by. Like, it's just, that's what happens. And so, you know, then moved to Charlotte, North Carolina, or Concord, North Carolina, where I lived in the trailer parks. A little different there. Told different, no gangbanging, but everybody's fighting. Everybody's like, it's just different. Yeah. So I've been told, my dad, you know, used to tell these stories, I'm from Detroit, Detroit, and I walked 12 miles yeah. up the hill to school in the snow. <laughs> By the way, it was one mile, and the ground is flat as shit. I saw his house. He lied. He didn't go 12 miles up the hill. So I was <laughs> but long story short, he always yeah. told me, because I've had guns pulled on me as a kid and shit. I'm like, what? What? Oh, yeah. And so he said, dude, you need to pay attention to the places you go and who you surround yourself with when you go places. And so I'm always like, if I'm in a restaurant or I'm in a bar, I don't like to have my back to a door. To I have door, to see yeah. everything. When I go places, I'm always scoping. 
I'm always yeah. paying attention. I'm looking at who's around me. And if I walk a hundred feet and those people are still around me, there's a problem. I pay attention to things. And so people be talking to me and I'm trying to multitask, but I'm really evaluating the area. And I've always done that. And I just don't put myself in a bad position. Like if I've got something nice on, I'm going to put it in my pocket. You know, I, yeah. true story. Kevin and I went to, went to, uh, <laughs> Compton. Right, we we were, <laughs> bro. All played. Listen, we, we, bro. Listen, real we quick, were in Cali, oh, we were in Cali. Well, we were in Cali for a trade show, a solar trade show, and Kevin's like, hey, "This is a bad story." And he's like, <laughs> "He rents a damn Mustang convertible." <laughs> so two white dudes in a Mustang convertible doesn't look appropriate, no matter where you go. Like, why are those two? Yeah. Like, it doesn't look right. Yeah. Needless to say, it was a. <laughs> I mean, small oh, little boy. Car. He's like. Let's go to Compton. Why? Let's Bro, just go. why do you keep listening you to him? You know what we should do? We should go find the game. You know, we bought the whole block there. I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to do Come on, man. I'm like, fuck it. Go to Compton. <laughs> so we go. True story. This is right after the game came out. This was a few, like five, six years ago. Game came out. I bought that block. Him and 50 were squashing their beef. Whatever, right? If you're a hip hop fan, you, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we go there. And there are some, I mean, some OGs of Mondo, like wife yeah. beaters, missing teeth, wife beaters dirty. You can see they got a gun <laughs> in their shirt and pants, but it's just covered with the wife beater, riding yeah. a damn bike with a basket on it, like just staring at us, one guy going this way and one eye going that way. Like, what the f you guys doing here? And I'm just like, dude, I don't know if I like being down here. He's like, look, man, like we're going to, so we, he stops. This guy's got huge balls and never been to fight. Hey man, we're looking yeah. for the game. Does the game live around here? I'm just like, what? Guy's like, oh man, you don't live like. So he goes ask another guy. So another guy's, well, they used to live over there. What the hell y'all doing here? It's like you guys. He's like, you reporters. Kevin's like, yeah, yeah, we're, we're reporters. I'm like, oh my gosh, right? <laughs> well, I have a Rolex on. We go towards the cult What? We start going there. There's just like four guys out there, and one has got like a freaking junkyard chain around his neck as his <laughs> necklace. <laughs> As That's his necklace, dog. as his boy, necklace, just no, no, just just that as a necklace. At first, I thought yeah. it was diamonds. I'm like, damn. Then I saw, oh, Daddy. it's just a, it's just a chain. It's, it's legit a chain. And so yeah, as we're pulling up, Kevin's like, here we are, like, hi guys, in this fucking Mustang, <laughs> you know. And I'm just like, well, yeah, like, I'm slowly opening the glove box and taking my watch off. It's like Kevin's like, what are you doing? I said, I'm putting my watch. In. They're gonna rob us. I said, listen. I'm not going to give them a reason to go, look at these fucking idiots with these 30,000. I'm going to take their watch. It's like, I'm not going to give me your watch. We're not going to give. I don't think they're going to rob us, but I don't want to give them a reason to rob us. Oh, man. Maybe you're dude. right. Maybe you're right. Like, give me your watch. <laughs> We're over here, motherfucker. This watch can buy his, him 900,000 bicycles. Dude, would you chill? We're uh, going to do this. So we yes. pull up. Think about bikes. Just bikes with and That's all you're going to do. And one of the guys was like, well, why y'all here, man? The fuck y'all asking yeah. questions about game for? What the fuck? Like, yeah. I'm like looking at Kevin like, I told you, motherfucker, you want to keep that damn watch on. We're just going to work. Kevin's like, no, we good. He's like, all right, well, you shouldn't be over here asking questions, man. I mean, he ain't been here in a hot minute, like all this stuff. I'm like, hey, dude, thanks, yeah. man. Yeah, you keep real. We're out. We're out. Like, Kevin, get the fuck out. What are you doing? He's like, so we're leaving. I'm like, man, so you, what is it that movie? I can't think of that movie. Is it Friday? No. You remember that? Uh, it's that one movie with that white kid that tries to be black real bad. And he's like, he's making the rap movie. And he's like this. Eight Mile? No, no. That's Eminem. Talking I'm, talking about? About, <laughs> I'm talking about the comedian. And he's like oh, trying oh, to be a rapper. Oh, he's like Wangsta, all yes, the stuff like yes. this. Uh, you, what movie? Malibu's Most Wanted, yes. something like that. I felt I know you're like talking about. Kevin is that guy. And that's what we were doing. <laughs> 
Kevin is mad. Got the jumpsuit on. Like, dude, this is ridiculous. Like, what are we doing? Like, it's cool to go chill and hang out, but man, we got a convertible with watches blinging. <laughs> And we look as fucking white and dorky as you can look pulling up in there. What are we doing? Can we not move on, dude? Like, please. Bro, you got to mix some flavor in your posse, bro. You got to start bringing me around, hey, bro. Hey. I, look, that Ke- I Ke- got Kevin, you, Kevin thinks he's cool. Ain't that Kevin ain't cool, bro. Kevin ain't cool, man. He ain't even never been in a fight before. So look, what what would he do? Like, what would you do, right? Because there's street rules, right? And you grew up in the hood. You grew up in the trailer park, all those things like that. There's street rules, right? So if you were in a situation, a scenario, right? Let's play it this way. If a fight had jumped off and Kevin had got in a fight with somebody, do you believe in fair fights? Would you have tried to help Kevin in that situation? If it's like a two on one, it depends. So there was one time we were at a. (laughs) It depends. So so there was one time we were at a Cardinals Lions game, and Kevin is just drunk as it can be, and he's being very vulgar. And we're in Arizona, so the Cardinals fans are there, and he's a Cardinals fan. I'm a Lions fan. My dad's a Lions fan. Joe's a Lions fan. So we're all sitting there. It's me. It's Kevin. It's my dad, and it's Joe. And Kevin's up and he's F-bombing. Yeah, all this stuff. (laughs) We're front row, like 40-yard line. Yeah. Behind me is another Cardinals fan. Like, Kevin, he's like, hey, man, can you, like, not cuss? My son's right here. Kevin's Uh like, I'm at a fucking football game. (laughs) And Kevin is drunk and he's running his mouth. And I'm like, looking at him like, hey, man, calm down, dude. He's a kid. No, man. Like, no. The guy's like, dude, if you don't stop, man, I'm going to knock you out. What? Kevin goes, you know what, man? I ain't going to stop. Why don't you hit me right here? <laughs> and so Joe elbows me and goes, what do you want to do? And I said, I'm going to let him hit him. He gets, That's like an eternal meeting you got to have. He, like, he, oh, he, gets, he gets one free hit. After that, we'll break it up and deal with it. He gets one free hit because Kevin's asking for it. Let him get it. It's fine. Oh, He's going to teach him a lesson. And yeah. the guy's like, oh, they're arguing. And then we break it up. And then. The security comes over and gives Kevin a yellow card, a freaking yellow card in the NFL. Are you serious? Yeah, Kevin's like, what is this, soccer? He's like, you need to turn it down or you're out of here. <laughs> True story. That's one of like four oh times where Kevin's God. just been inappropriate. And I'm like, dude, you need to stop. Where I've just said, look, just let him get knocked out. It's cool. They get one hit. Kevin is a savage, bro. I went to the casino with Kevin. I ain't gonna even talk about the amount of money he lost. You said this the other day during one of our director's calls, bro. Whatever he is betting against, you should go for the opposite. <laughs> Every time. For. He's a loser. And you will win, trust me. So, he bet on the Conor McGregor fight, right? The Conor McGregor versus, uh, I forgot what that guy's name is. His last fight that he was just in. Put a ton of money on it. He came up to me and he asked me, he was like, alright, man, what, what round is he gonna win in? I was like, man, uh, the other guy's gonna beat Connor in second in the second round. Connor breaks his freaking ankle at the end of the first round, bro, and the guy wins the fight. He lost his money on it, man. Kevin, Kevin is called just me and wild. asked me before he got there, "Is Connor yeah. gonna win?" I said, "No." The guy who wins last won. usually wins again. Yes, that works. So, yes. Elmondo, this was fun. We're gonna have to do this again and cut up more. Uh, and then, uh, any final notes for the for the fans out there? No, man. I just want to say I appreciate you for inviting me onto the show, man. Uh, you've had a lot of people here, like stars, all those things I get, but you've still been humbled enough to invite one of your employees here on the show and, and put me on this kind of platform. So I just want to say I'm appreciative of you, man. So thank you for everything. All right. So uh, that's a wrap here on the True Underdog Podcast. I appreciate you coming on, Elmondo. Hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure you subscribe at iHeart, Apple, Google Podcasts. Check out our YouTube channel. Bam!
And that concludes another episode here on True Underdog. If you're interested in hearing more, make sure you subscribe at iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or the YouTube channel. You can always visit trueunderdog.com. Subscribe to all of them. Make sure you check out our newest episodes coming out on Mondays and Thursdays. True Underdog, baby. Damn, damn, damn. True Underdog. Damn, damn. Unleash the power.